don't get caught up on what where you want to go. Just focus on where you're at right there, right? And what you're doing in the moment, what you're doing, it kind of will define where to go and take that path. And don't, don't, you know, don't feel like, you know, hey, if I don't achieve these milestones on my timeline and I don't get this degree at this time or this is the degree I should be doing, um, don't get caught up in that. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Josh, it is fantastic. Thank you so much for asking. How are you? I'm doing great. Are you fantastic? Because this is the last episode of the Attraction Pros Podcast in 2021. I'm glad you added the in 2021. That would have made me really sad <laughs> if this was the last podcast ever. And that's how I was telling you that, that that's it. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I, I am fantastic because we get to do another podcast and because of our guest today. Our guest is Phil Wilson from Extreme Engineering. It sure is. And we get to learn how the name Extreme Engineering came to be, as well as the history of the company, uh, Phil's involvement with the company since its inception in 1995, where he was 15 years old and immediately started working in the business that his father started. And we get to hear about the whole journey from 1995 to today of the dynamics of working in a family business and how Phil is very passionate about the challenges and overcoming those challenges and helping others in the attractions industry do the same, uh, as well as the innovative ride designs that they have come up with for the industry, the cloud coaster. Uh, he talks about their climbing wall, which they say they bring the mountain to the people, which is really cool to hear his philosophy around all that. Uh, and, and talking about just the, the whole journey, his, his personal career path and the amount of times he's changed majors and that it's, uh, it's about enjoying the ride and it's uh, the journey, not just the destination. So you used a word three times in the last little bit of things you just said, which I think, I think encapsulates so much of this podcast, this interview, and it's the word journey. Because he does talk a lot about the journey that he and his father and his family have gone through. Like you said, the fact that he's changed majors four times and talking about the journey and what he's learned over that time and what advice he has also for young professionals in the industry. I think so often, and I know I've talked to people like this, the young professionals are thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to have a goal. I've got to know exactly where I'm going. And Phil says, no, you've got to enjoy the journey, enjoy the ride. So uh, I think that's a word that I take away from this, uh, from this interview and this conversation that we've got to enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's cool to hear uh, his thoughts around that from him personally, and like you said, the the advice that that he has for for young professionals or really for anybody, because we're <laughs> all just 
on the journey, just uh, just all of us at, at different points along the way. So it's uh, it's important, it's encouraging, it's insightful. He has a very optimistic outlook for the industry for 2022, and all around just uh, I would say one of the most interesting people from a. a personality standpoint that uh, that we've had on the podcast. So I'm really excited to get to this interview. So should we continue the journey that we've started two or three minutes ago and continue this uh, this conversation with Phil? Yes, I am extremely excited to uh, to get to this interview with Phil Wilson. Phil Wilson, thank you so much for joining us today on the Attraction Pros podcast. How are you doing, Phil? I'm great, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year again, Matt and Josh. <laughs> well, wonderful to see you guys. Great to see you, and, and again, don't forget about Happy Festivus, uh, which is coming up in a That's couple. Right. Yes. Uh, so, Phil, right. can you tell us tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with Extreme Engineering? Yeah, absolutely. So, Extreme Engineering was a, a company founded in 1995 uh, from my father and I. And um, I actually started with my dad uh, at the age of 15. And my dad um, has a background. He, he has the aeronautical degree and mechanical engineering degree. And uh, back in the, um, the, the, the beginning of extreme engineering, it wasn't something that actually was created on purpose. We kind of stumbled into the amusement industry, pure accident. And our first product we invented was the mobile climbing wall. I'm not sure if you guys seen those. I'm sure you have on, on, on trailers at Ray's and and then he invented the Autoblade device. That was the very first product. And um, it was kind of sparked from the liking of extreme sports that my father and I kind of loved doing together as, as father and son. We would mountain bike a lot. We would whitewater kayak literally down to our neighbor's house. Uh, we lived on the river growing up. So we would literally whitewater kayak down to the neighbor's house and he shuttles back to our house. It was pretty cool. Um, and then rock climbing became one of our, our things we kind of got a liking to. And, and dad was like, you know, how cool would it be if we could bring climbing to the people instead of bring people to the mountain? And so he came up with this concept and, and in the 90s, and we decided to go to the outdoor retailer show thinking, yeah, we'll sell them the climbers and gyms. And, and it was uh, literally laughed out of the parking lot. Um, we got put out in the parking lot. Uh, we had a booth secured. We had a, a space with a company called Entrepreneur at the time. And, and uh, we, thought we had this booth secured and we were going to go in and debut this great product. And uh, unfortunately things didn't go the way that we thought were planned. And um, we go out in the parking lot, feel defeated. And this guy comes up to my father and brings him a cup of coffee and sees my dad down the dumps and goes, Hey, what's going on? My dad tells him what happened. He goes, that is not okay. That's unacceptable. So he got a towing truck and he brought it into the parking lot from the convention center. This was in Salt Lake city. And he moved 25 cars in front of the main entrance and then he moved our climbing wall right to the front entrance raised it and uh we had the, the best best spot right in front of the convention center uh and uh we sold the very first mobile climbing wall in 1996 in in salt lake and when they went to write us the check we didn't have a business we didn't have a lc form nothing and so they go, so what's, what's the check out? My dad said, he goes, uh, extreme uh, engineering. And so that was the name of the company. It wasn't <laughs> like we brainstormed and, and, and then, you know, actually it was a great name on the spot. He came up with a pretty good name. And so here we are 26 years later, a much different company than we were then. But uh, that was the uh, inception of, of who we are. And then myself, uh, I've been working with dad full time. Like I said, since 1995, so this will be my 26th year 
uh, in the industry. You know, I've been on the trade show floor as a kid to, you know, now in my forties and uh, I'm now the uh, executive vice president of, of the company. And, and I oversee all the brand initiatives, um, global marketing, strategic partnerships, um, uh, and also come up with uh, a lot of the um, new product concepts with my father. So certainly not the engineer. I'm not the brains behind that part, but definitely behind the promotion side. So that's a, such an interesting story, particularly how the name came to be. Uh, <laughs> to see that that spontaneity and then having that stick all those years later. I uh, back in 1995 when when the business first started. When you were, I think you said you were you were about 15 years old or so. Right. Was, was it? just naturally assumed that you would join the family business? Was it your decision? Oh, no. Oh, no. no. My dad, my dad looked at me and said, you will work for extreme engineering, you know? So it was, it was not part of the plan. In fact, my dad's plan was, I mean, he, he was an exec at Hilla Packard at the time making phenomenal money. And, um, you know, he was on his road to retirement. And uh, at that time, it was in the 2000s. Um, Carly was the new CEO of Hewlett-Packard. And I don't know if you guys remember the whole merger with Compact. It was just a mess. And the whole company really just turned into what it wasn't. And so my dad got out at the right, right time. Um, I think it was, in fact, he had, almost had to at that time. And so you know, he basically took over and he had no employees. I mean, it was, it was basically him. And then, uh, you know, me as, as the son and we, my, my dad has a 2,500 square foot R&D shop on property. So as a kid, I grew up, you know, repairing cars, uh, you know, restoring old 1940 gas pumps from, you know, old uh, gas stations that are actually in our house. It's, it's really cool stuff. So I grew up hands-on, knowing how to do sandblast, powder coating, lathing, milling machine. And so, you know, having that technical ability, dad's like, you're getting in here and you're helping us build trailers. So it was Literally, dad and I welding, uh, you know, painting trailers. Uh, I was welding T-nuts, uh, which are like these things that hold climbing holds on the wall. I was doing that for, for hours on end after school. That was my job after high school. I'd come home, put the weld hat on, and I would do that. He paid me five cents a T-nut. So it was like, it took a while to get the dollars, but uh, <laughs> but it was worth it. You know, at 15, you're like, man, that's gas money. That's a car deposit. So yeah, so that's kind of what, what I did, you know, is working in the shop. And then um, as we grew, we rented a little facility and, and uh, my dad kind of employed all my, my best friends out of high school. So, uh, you know, we kind of got to goof off, have fun after school, make some money. And, and we didn't know where it was going to go. We didn't think this was a long-term thing. My dad actually, his whole intention was to sell the intellectual property of the product, get his royalties and then, either go on and do the next thing or, or design something else. But it ended up being just kind of part of our DNA and our, our, our culture and, and, and who we are. And, and dad really started to really enjoy the amusement industry in a big way. So he's like, you know, I want to keep continuing to invent and build and make great things. And Phil, I want you to be here to help promote those things and help sell these things. And so that's kind of how we evolved, you know, and, and again, it was not my intention at all. In fact, I, had my own roadmap um, planned out for me to do my own thing. And um, really the reason why I stuck through it was my dad's done so much for me in my childhood and, and through college. And, and, and me personally, it was like my giving back to my dad and, and made me smile seeing him, you know, achieve his dreams and him be happy. And, and it really meant a lot for me so I could do something for my father that was, you know, 
um, something that meant so much to him because he's done so much for me. Um, and people always come up and go, well, Phil, gee, you know, you know, you're putting your life on hold and, you know, why aren't you going to do your own thing? Why are you always there for your dad? And I'm like, you know, I thought that, but in, in the end, it, it really is what I wanted to do. I, you know, seeing my dad be happy and owning his own business and then working for my father made me realize, wow, this is exactly why I'm here. And so, you know, that's why I stuck through it. Now, it's not rainbows and sunshines that all working for your father is not easy. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's, it's very rewarding. And when it works, it's, 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 it's quite magical. And when I'm at family business works, it's, uh, it's a powerful thing for sure. So, well, Phil, I want to get more into the family dynamic, uh, in just a minute, but I want to go back just a little Mm -hmm. bit because in some of our, our pre-interview, um, discussions, you mentioned that you changed, um, degree or you changed your, your career path four times or your degree path four times. Um, and so many young professionals that I talk to, they're like, well, I've got to be on a path and I've got to stick to it. And I, I've got to have this goal. And I think you're going to prove that, no, you can kind of move around. So can you talk a little bit about how that yeah well so for all your young audience that attend this podcast or this 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 video interview um don't get caught up on what where you want to go just focus on where you're at right there right and what you're doing in the moment what you're doing it kind of will define where to go and take that path and don't don't you know don't feel like you know hey if i don't achieve these milestones on my timeline and i don't get this degree at this time or this is the degree i should be doing um, don't get caught up in that because you really don't know. In fact, uh, I would say, Josh, Matt, there's probably things you guys are still not knowing what you want to do when you grow up. Like we're always constantly growing older and going, well, what do I want to do next? Right. So I think life is about just uh, an experience. It isn't about a plan. And of course, having plans is good. And, you know, having a degree and go and get that job and that house and get married. You know, I, I get those are life plans that people want, but for me, I was so caught up at a young age that, man, I had to get a degree. I, I, I had to be like my dad. I want to be a, an engineer. And then, you know, I want to go to a great school like my dad did. And then I want to go work high tech. And, and, and that was kind of what I thought. And that put so much immense pressure on me instead of sitting back and really just enjoying the ride as a, at a young, youthful age, and then kind of taking classes and then kind of developing what that could be for me or what I like doing or what I don't like doing. I was so caught up about where I needed to go instead of what I'm doing right then. And I think that's a big life lesson I learned as I got older was you can't focus on um, where you want to go. You got to focus on where you're at today. And, you know, what, what made me change my career path was that very thing is I got so caught up that, you know, my first, my first degree path was I'm going to be an aeronautical and mechanical engineer, just like my dad, because I want to, you know, design like my father. And then I decided nah you know, I'm not really good at engineering, um, but I'm really good at industrial designing. And I think I wanted to be an industrial designer and make the products look cool. So I started changing my degree to to industrial designer. Um, Then I find out that I get accepted to Pasadena School of Arts, and that's $125,000 a year. And you don't actually get a degree in the best industrial designer, unless you have your own firm, makes about $45,000 a year. So this is where, you know, a lot of people need to realize like, hey, what you set your plan on may not be the plan that you think is in, in reality, right? And so then I changed it again to, to I don't even know, it was something crazy. It was like business finance or it was some stupid thing. It was just like for like a, on a whim. And then I was like sitting there doing promotions for my dad on the side. I'm like, you know, 
I'm really good in PR. I'm really good at mass marketing. So I changed my degree and went to PR and mass marketing. My fourth time changing wasn't because I just decided that's the path I got to take. It was the experience that I gained that gave me confirmation that, oh my gosh, I'm actually really good at these things. And oh my gosh, even better. I like it. And so I changed my degree there and I was able to graduate college in four and a half years after changing four years <laughs> or four times. Uh, so that was pretty good. So my dad's like, get out, get out of the house. I'm done writing those checks. So um, yeah, so that's kind of like my career path, right? And it wasn't by any means a path. It was just kind of happened after life experience. And I would say for the, for the young listeners, life experience is really going to define what you're going to do. You know, I, I, you know, I, and of course there's kids that know exactly when they, when they wake up, they're going to be a doctor or they're going to be an attorney or they, I do believe that exists, but for a lot of us who are just so worried about what we're going to do, stop worrying. It'll work out, you know? So, um, that, (laughs) and I wish I could have told myself that when I was younger, but yeah. So yeah, so that's my uh, that's my jumping around in college, guys. So awesome. Yeah, and, and I think that you know it's such an important message there because it's basically a saying you know when enjoy enjoy the ride or it's about the journey, not just about the destination. And as you right. go on the journey, even if you're changing majors all these times or trying to define what my specific career path is along that journey, you're collecting those life experiences that then influence and sometimes kind of evolve what the destination is and can be because now as long as you're doing something then you're picking something up along the way that you'll be able to reflect back on and be able to expand upon that whether it's in a in a business from an entrepreneurial standpoint or a job or a career path that you're seeking so i appreciate that i think that's that's good yes yeah yeah definitely yeah uh, so one of the things that uh, we really do want to talk about too is is the element of the family business because obviously mm-hmm. this is such a, a core part of extreme engineering story and you've been very involved with IAPA over the last several years specifically mm-hmm. hosting sessions about uh, the dynamics and challenges of being in a family business and I think that that's one of the amazing things about our industry yeah there's a lot of very big corporations there's for profits there's nonprofits and there's a, a very large volume of family businesses, both on the operator side and the supplier side. Can right. you talk a little bit about uh, maybe some of those, those challenges and the topics of the sessions that you lead sure. as well as kind of what inspired them? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for asking that, Josh. So um, we started an education session at IAPA, um, gosh, uh, I guess technically five years ago, we unfortunately didn't get to have it right in, in 2020, but we had four, it was our fourth year, we had a, a session called Family Matters. And, and what it was um, really about was uh, identifying family-owned and operated businesses in our industry. And, and on your point, Josh, there is a lot of people in our industry that um, even more so that, you know, people didn't realize were family-owned and operated always either originally or still are today. Like, I mean, you can go back to Disney, you know, Disney was a family-owned and operated business before it got where it is today. Knott's Berry Farm, same. You know, so you look at operators like Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk or the Maury's uh, Piers, Maury's Piers or Silverwood in, 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 um, in uh, Idaho or Silver Dollar City. And then you look at manufacturers, you got, you know, JRA, Sally Corp, Extreme Engineering, and the list goes on, the, the Mock family, right? Whitewater is owned by a father-son. 
uh, ProSlide. You know, you, you got a lot of family-owned uh, and operated companies. And I, I thought for a second, I was like, you know, wow, one, I'm glad I'm not alone. <laughs> you know, that I can I can relate to other family-owned businesses and, and, and talk about, you know, my frustrations to my uh, to advice, to just counsel, to just having someone listen. And then two, it's like, you know, I know those people and and I can call them, but there's a lot of people who don't know these people. Wouldn't it be great if we create a panel of them and put them in front of a, a mic and had an audience and, and let them really open up about deep, raw, real issues, things like secession planning, you know, who's going to take over if mom and dad die or if they even want to, or you know, what is it like at work, those tensions, you know, as, as, a, as a family unit and, and things are more personal because you're family when it should just be about business. And so all those things that I've struggled with has also been the same struggles of other families. And so we were able to create this session and I didn't, I didn't know where it was going to go, guys. I didn't know if we were going to have, you know, two people or 200 people show up to that session because there were some heavy hitters that day. I mean, we had some big topic speakers, big CEO speaking the same hour. I'm like, oh man, you know, I don't think we're going to get the audience. And we had over 400 people the first time. And we had people crying. We had people laughing. Uh, we had someone get on a mic and said um, their parents died unexpectedly. And now they don't know what to do. And they weren't given the tools. And I don't know what to do. And he doesn't know if he wants it. And this is like a 40-year-old business. You know, this is much older than our business. And so you're, you're hearing stories that you're like, oh my God, you know, we need, we need this support mechanism around these families in our industry to help each other. And we find out that there's other families that actually go on retreats that are park owned and like the, like fun spot and silver dollars or Silverwood and uh, Santa Cruz beach boardwalk. They all go on this retreat every year and they all get together as family and they share their P and L's. They literally show their books to each other and help each other audit where they need to focus financially or where they need to adjust, you know, different staff that are family. I mean, things that are just so critical that um, typically other businesses don't do that where they're more transparent in family to do this. And so we learned that they had these like, you know, these, 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 these um, counseling sessions to uh, special uh, specialists that do succession planning. I mean, all sorts of resources that were available that nobody knew. And so, the Family Matters um, session really evolved into a place to go once a year to gather, um, you know, feedback to, to, to walk away with um, good resources to improve your business. And so I didn't think it'd go there, guys, to be honest, but we, we've actually turned this thing into such a successful session that now people are going, hey, can it be a two day event? Because you can't cover everything in an hour. And we've had husband wives which is what we had this year and that was a very very different dynamic having a husband and wife team and then you know years prior we had you know father son i was on that panel one year and we had uh father daughters and we had brothers we had sisters um so it's interesting depending the relationship you have in the family business how different it can or can't be right and so we really identified some struggles and and um yeah, it's been a huge success. And IAPA, I owe them, uh, you know, a lot for giving us this platform and, and allowing us to have that slot every year to talk about it because it's it's a big topic, guys. And I don't think it's ever going to go away. I think I think our industry is um, 
is is family. You can't spell IAPA or you can't spell amusement industry without family. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So I, I I think it's here to stay, and I and um, yeah, it really did take off, guys. And, and I encourage next year you guys, um, you know, attend it just to kind of get a feel for what it's about. It, it gets it gets pretty uh, heated in a good way. I mean, you yeah. really hear some raw stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. I've I've always been intrigued by the session, but for whatever reason, it's at the same time as something else that I'm doing and things like that. And I remember having a conversation with Brian Knoble uh, before one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I think it was a couple of years ago. He's like, "Can you help me tie my tie before this thing?" You know, he wants to look uh, at everything. But um, and that's such a that's a, a great family, the Knoble family yeah. with all their generations yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm curious if you can talk a little bit more about your journey with your own father, like and and how that dynamic has has played out. Because earlier you said when it works, it's great, but it's not all rainbows and sunshine. So are there things yeah, you can yeah, yeah. about that? Yeah, I mean definitely. I mean, how much time do you guys got? Jesus, do this <laughs> right before Christmas too. I might not get my gifts that I've been asking for from dad, um, you know, like a raise for one. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean. Oh man. I mean, where do we start? You want to hear some challenges and how we overcame that? Is that you're asking Matt? Sure. Challenges, wonderful things, whatever you want to share. Sure. I mean, I think I went into the wonderful things a little bit. I mean, I, you know, some of the challenges we had, there was a moment and it's not a proud moment uh, that my father and I, our relationship deteriorated in a very, very negative way in the beginning of the business. And to the point where we couldn't even really look at each other, it, you know, the conversations couldn't go more, couldn't be positive after five, six more minutes of talking. And I had to isolate myself from him for many, many years. Um, probably lost five, six years of a really healthy relationship with my father due to the struggles of, of this business because, you know, and I was younger and so I didn't know how to really separate the emotional side the personal side away from the business side. And of course, my, I think my dad obviously had a better way of doing that, but I think he also, uh, it was very new to him as well. I, you know, he's never worked with family. Um, I mean, I guess technically he has on a farm, he grew up on a farm, but I'm talking like owning a business, like working with, you know, that close. So we, we didn't know how to successfully communicate in, 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 a, in a good fashion. So it really, I think took away a big part of our, our relationship. So that is probably my biggest regret. And I wish we would have had um, the knowledge base and the tool set that we've you know, learned from these sessions that I just spoke about. If I would have had those things, then I think we could have repaired much, much quicker and smoother. And so that's probably my biggest regret, Matt, Josh, is losing that time with my dad. You'll never get that time back. And for anybody listening on, on this who are family-owned business, like, you know, the time you have with your parents and your kids, it's every day is, 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 is in a way it's your last day. And then you got to do it again the next day and the next day. And it may not, they may not be there the next day. And so time to me is so critical and precious and, and um, something that you should not um, uh, let go or, or sacrifice because you're, you're, you know, not communicating or you're angry with each other. So that was a big one. And um, that, that really took a strain on us personally. I think it took a strain on our business because I just didn't have any heart in it anymore for a while. Uh, was I moved to Australia uh, for a year and it wasn't because we wanted to start an expansion. I mean, I was part of it, but um, I need to get away. I need to get my head clear. 
and I left for almost two years and, you know, spoke to my dad maybe six times in two years, you know, I'm clear across the world. So, you know, that was not a, a happy moment. And then, you know, we've had challenges where we had to get family counseling in, a family business counselor in, because we would have these really heated uh, discussions in front of our peers, super inappropriate, you know, things that if you were to say that to your employer uh, or your boss, um, you'd be fired. I mean, it'd be, it'd be straight and simple. So there was a maturity part that I had to really grow up quick and understand and treat it differently. And so that was a challenge. Now the strengths, you know, we figured out in a really good way how to stay in our aisle um, where, and what I mean by that is dad's aisle is, is the design and the engineering and the, and the really phenomenal breakthroughs there. My aisle is in the, the, the branding and the promotions, the, the partnerships with other suppliers and bringing those, those relationships to extreme engineering. And we've had to realize that we're both experts in those fields and we need to trust each other. Even if we doubt each other on how we're doing it, we need to trust each other. And that's hard. You know, you can, you can say you trust your, 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 your husband or wife or brother or sister all day long, but there's always going to be something in the back of your mind. Well, I don't know if I really, I wouldn't do it that way. And I don't know if I trust the way you're doing that. You know, and I do that with my wife. It drives her nuts. My wife's 10 times smarter than me. And I always have this thing in the back of my mind, like, why is she doing that? And then it makes sense. Right. So that I think is something we've done really, really well, staying in our aisle, trusting each other's uh, relying on each other's talent and using each other's talent to really grow the business and bring that opportunity where it is. You know, if it isn't for dad creating the wonderful things and coming up with solutions, I don't have a reason to even be on a podcast or talk or be at IAPA. And it doesn't matter if he decides a great thing. If we don't have an audience for that great thing or, or, or a customer for that great thing, then there's no reason to have a company. And so we had to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we take advantage of each other in a great way to move this company forward. And we able, we've been able to do that in the last you know, 10, 15 years. And, and the reward's been great. I mean, we've grown our, our company in a substantial way. Um, we have a bigger facility now in Texas. Uh, we moved our company to Texas so almost 10 years ago. And thank God we did that. You can't, can't operate in California. It just doesn't work here. Um, and you know, we, we've gotten 16 industry awards. We had another award this, this year. And so, you know, the accolades, the, the awards, the, the, the growth, all are indicators of the things that we are doing right as a family. Um, but don't get me wrong, we're not perfect. I'm still learning things every day, how to communicate better with my father. I mean, communication, I think, is the hardest thing on the planet. And my degree is in communication, mass, mass marketing communication. And I still have to figure out how to communicate. You know, I think that's something that is, is always going to be something we're going to have to learn as, as, as working with family or just in the business in general. So I, I you know, yeah, I think those are some of the, the, the takeaways from great things we've accomplished guys. And some things that, you know, I'm not proud of, um, that, that, that had to, but I learned from that, right. You learn from your mistakes. Yeah. So those are some things that we had to, to struggle with. And, and, um, I, I think I'm not alone. I think I've, had some similar discussions with other family-owned businesses in the industry and outside the industry where that, that tension with your, your, your parents working in a company is very, um, unfortunately, a very common thing. It's just how severe is it? You know, some people can get past it quickly. Some can't. Some still haven't for years. 
younger than me that just, I, mean, I know people in our industry, I'm not going to name drop, um, that they work together, but they do not have a relationship. They almost hate each other. And it's sad. And, and it's been like that for decades. And it probably will be that for the rest of their life. And that, that to me is a sad thing, you know, letting the business destroy, uh, destroy blood. You know, it just, to me is, is, uh, so there are, I am blessed and fortunate that I am not at that level. I have my quirks, but I, uh, I, I feel like I'm blessed to have a, a pretty, pretty good relationship in consideration of everything going on. So, you know, yeah, we appreciate you uh, sharing all that and, and really opening up. And um, it's good to see for those uh, who are listening to this, who perhaps uh, do not have a connection with the family business to really see the sensitive nature of the operations and, and really how delicate it can be, um, you know, over time. Um, and thankfully, you've been able, like you said, you've been able to um, really work together closely over the last several years. So if we were to kind of switch gears just a little bit, you mentioned uh, the new products that have come out, the new, uh, I would say, innovations over the last several years that Extreme Engineering has introduced to the industry, uh, many of which are award-winning. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe your innovation process uh, within the company, between you, your father, your team, um, to be able to come up with these new and very creative designs uh, to be able to, to introduce to the, the greater amusement attractions community? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so we this year came out with, um, well, I'd say in the last almost two years, we came out with four new attractions. And we really entered into the family coaster business uh, was one of our big sector. And then the other one, that really took off was the fabrication sector for our industry. We become the support mechanism, as you will, for, for other suppliers where we'll dig in deep and do behind the scenes and solve problems and value engineer product and then fabricate it for them. And, and that, that sector took off quite well for us. In fact, we grew 40% just in that sector alone. And then on the coaster business, uh, was, and I, I take no credit for this. This is this is my father and his team of engineers. We got some phenomenal engineers uh, in Florida and Texas, and and these guys just came up with this really great solution that, you know, there's this there's this there's huge void in our industry in terms of price and and experience on what you can get for an amusement park. And you know, for example, you know, if you want to get into a, a big family coaster that all the bells and whistles, you know, you're going to be in it five, eight, ten million dollars. And then if you want a really low end, you know, not when I say low end, low cost ride that does, you know, a, a lot of fun experiences, you know, it's a midway ride and those are going to be in the, you know, 200, $300,000. So there's not a lot between the half a million to the million and a half. So we decided I want, we want that market. We want to own, we don't want to be, I don't want to be a BNM, but you know, I, I also don't want to be competing with Zamperla, you know, making these midway rides or other people that make midway rides. They, 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 they're phenomenal at that. And BNM at the top of the Mercedes class of, of roller coasters is phenomenal over there. So we said, let's figure out how do we provide a really uh, low cost, high end, high thrills, great experience that can be configured in multiple ways. It can be on a budget for many people. It can be a gateway to, to, to an FEC where they've always wanted a roller coaster, we couldn't afford one. Well, now we got a solution for them. And the mindset kind of came back to the climbing wall back in the 90s, right? Where 
my dad said, you know, I want to bring the mountain to the people, not the people to the mountain. So he kind of had that mentality with the roller coasters. Like, I want to bring a roller coaster to people who never thought they could afford one or, you know, they didn't think it could fit. All those challenges, all those hurdles they have, like, okay, how do we overcome that and provide that solution, right? So we were able to do that with the cloud coaster. You know, we came out with a family suspended coaster that checks all the boxes from a capacity and experience from being configurable, um, you know, being themed, adaptable. And that thing grew and evolved into other ride vehicles, faster track, uh, dark ride integration, with dark ride companies. They now want to use our ride vehicle for a dark ride to interaction with laser tag on it where you're shooting at sensors right in the ride so it really turned in and grew into this 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 amazing platform that um has that speaks to a lot of people in the industry and so that product uh has really been a phenomenal product for us we have like three new locations opening next year and we have several different ride vehicles we have a surfboard roller coaster that won an award this year it's the world's only stand-up surfboard roller coaster on the market so you're literally uh, riding a roller coaster suspended on a surfboard. And when you're taking the turns, the banking is on the, the ride vehicle, not the track. So it's almost like you're riding a wave when you take the, the turns. So you actually go up at a pitch and then drop back down. Uh, and so it's a phenomenal new ride. And then we came out with a side-by-side -side vehicle that goes you know, 20, 25 miles an hour, a little bit faster. And those speak to, you know, the bigger parks that look, I need, you know, six, 700 people an hour. I want a side-by-side so people can ride together, those kind of things. So we were able to kind of start that coaster division and, and done quite well with it. It's only been around for about five years and, and it's, it's evolving even more, taking off more, we're getting more projects with it. So that's been a big growth for us. And then um, the other growth for us traditionally is adventure rides. That's kind of our core business where we where we started, like I said, the mobile climbing wall. So we were able to take that adventure sector of our business and grow that with more climbing attractions, interactive things like parkour. I don't know if you guys know what parkour is, but mm -hmm. it's basically like you're running through obstacles and high, hopping over and all that. Problem with that product or that 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 activity is it's high risk. Um, it's not inclusive, right? You have to be very physically able to do it. And you really can't charge for it. I mean, parkour is like people running through the, the cityscape and, you know, hopping over brick walls and stuff. So we said, hey, let's make, let's bring that to the masses. Let's bring the mountain to the people, right? So we decided we were going to try that as well with parkour. And so we introduced a new product on the floor at IAPA this year called Parkour Around. And what it is, it, it literally has an assist system designed that, that you get into a harness and it's computerized and it actually will um based off your weight will program the assist to take weight off your body allowing you to get through an obstacle because you basically are weightlessness you're almost like a superhero jumping long distances going high up in the air and so we're giving you that super mario experience we really are on this ride and uh, so that we introduced and it's really geared towards like fecs uh, you know mega fecs and like adventure parks that are looking to provide this attraction or this this type of, uh, of sport, but make it inclusive. So we made this product where a little child or a big adult, whether you're, you know, overweight or you're, you're a champion and you can run, run to high speeds, it doesn't matter. Everybody can experience the same thing. And so 
this is something we've introduced this year as well. So we're really excited for 2022. We have a lot of new rides and, and a lot of new services, whether it's you know manufacturing for other um, suppliers or you know, adventure rides for adventure parks and FBCs or roller coasters for theme parks. So we, we feel very blessed to be in three different markets and they've all done really well for us. And next year, I think, uh, I think next year is going to be a good year for a lot of us. I think next year is going to be the, um, the recovery year where we're all getting, getting orders back on a plate and more opportunity back on board. So I feel, uh, again, blessed that we have three market sectors to, to go after instead of, hey, all our eggs are in one basket. That's what you do. So yeah. that's one thing I love about our company is, is we're dynamic and we can take on very different things. And in fact, uh, part of the reason uh, my father won't be here for Christmas is we have three shifts going on and uh, the Prague has to deliver on the 23rd. What's that tomorrow or tomorrow. Thursday? Yeah. Tomorrow. And, um, and it's a manufacturing project. Um, it's for another supplier. It's going to the to Kenny Space Center and um you know but not having that that market sector you know this year typically for most people it's kind of slow you know and so it's great that we've um you know expanded our markets to to uh offer different services that keep us busy all year round and that's a great thing to have that's what you want to have um and so yeah i think next year for us it's not going to be about um the eggs and all one basket here you go you gotta do that it's it's more of like okay geez where can we focus our resources with given the opportunity? Uh, it's a good problem to have, but it, it also is kind of challenging, right? Because you get one big order from any of that, you're kind of you're kind of shut down. You got to focus on that, and you got to unfortunately say, "Sorry, I can't help you." To others, and so we're trying to juggle that right now. Is, is strategize how are we going to be able to do everything for everyone in a short amount of time. So that's yeah. our next step. So <laughs> yeah. we yeah. just need more fills in the world. That's what we need. Right? Uh, no more Jess, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wilson senior is what we need. So yeah. Well, Phil, we are uh, getting close to our, our end time here, but I have one question that we didn't even talk about beforehand. Um, if you could pick your favorite non extreme engineering uh, attraction out there, what would that uh -huh. be? So uh, my wife flew out for her 40th birthday party uh, this year in Orlando. And my great friend, one of my dear friends, John McReynolds from Universal, um, he uh, got us, uh, just, he, he really took care of Megan. And, and at the park, we were able to experience so many different rides and services. And so we, um, we rode the Velociraptor for the first time. And Megan has it, my wife Megan hasn't really ridden a lot of roller coasters. And so we decided to ride the front row of the Velociraptor together. And we had all, and what's great about our industry is uh, all of Megan's friends are, are, are like my friends in the industry and they're better friends with her. And she's, she's an attorney. She's even, she's even go to theme parks, all these things. But so we had a, we had like 15 people celebrating her and we ride the Velociraptor or the Velocity, yeah, the Velocicopter. So, sorry. And um, I think that's, and I've been on a lot of coasters all over the world, uh, a lot of theme parks. I think to date, that is the best hands-down roller coaster I've ever ridden. That launch coaster is phenomenal. It's built by Intamin, um, who are good friends of ours, and they did a phenomenal job on that ride. And I, 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 I can't, I don't know if you guys ridden Velocico. I'm sure you had, but 
I mean, tell me that's not an amazing ride, at least top five of your rides, right? It has to be. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think man, uh, was it, what's the Mako? Was it Mako? The, the one the, SeaWorld? SeaWorld. Yeah. That one I thought was like the best thing ever. And then I got on Velocity Coaster and I was like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is amazing. And Universal was so smart to put that ride in. It is a phenomenal ride. So yeah, that's my favorite ride. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, they'll look, but what I don't like about that ride is the lines to get on that ride. It, it's awful. It's it, <laughs> everyone wants to ride it. So Popular if they could fix that, if they could fix the, the, the queuing, then, then then it'd be the best ride in the world. So <laughs> but with that said, the, the queue itself is pretty cool, especially I think like the last section before you go into the station where you kind of see the the story of it and that it's the theme yeah. of the ride is that it is a roller coaster. That I actually like thought was hilarious. It's like, oh right, right. Jurassic World is a theme park. So they would put a right. roller coaster in the Raptor paddock. <laughs> anyway, exactly. Yeah. And I, I I think on your point, like the whole queuing, the queue experience at theme parks, gosh, they've done so much better, right? So they kind of like you're kind of immersed and keeping entertained as you wait. Because the, the you know, the the old days, it's just chain and you know pipe and drape or whatever it is and you're just sitting there waiting to get to the front and now it's nice that the theming really starts when you walk into the entry then when you're on the ride and you know that i have always thought was so impressed impressing to me because it keeps getting better and better and better is is it's not just you don't experience it once you're sitting in that seat you're experiencing while you're in queue so that i think helped but they still need to get rid of that 45 minutes or an hour queue so i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> So. I feel like we could easily <laughs> on, a, on a tangent just talk about our favorite roller coasters, which we've done before on the on the podcast. Oh yeah. Um, but there there is another uh, another question we want to ask you here, and this has to do with your bio on the Extreme Engineering website. And just to read this quick excerpt from it, it says, "When you meet Phil, chances are you will be strolling on scooters in China, crashing beer gardens in Vietnam, wearing a lederhosen, exploring hidden rooftop bars with a spa, or mingling at a nice restaurant with a view discussing life." Uh, Two-part question. The first is, can we be best friends? Like, sure. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds awesome. Like, let's, yeah, you be uh, careful what you're asking for there, dude. <laughs> uh, the second part is, if there's any experience or story that you love sharing that your your time and your travels have led you to oh there's so many um i i need to have like a crazy story blog with <laughs> so i i i've gotten to some pretty fun shenanigans in, in the traveling with iapa there's been a lot of funny moments and a lot of just unexpected moments and and taking off with friends and just having a great time and i would say one of the most recent funny moments was we had a post tour in vietnam uh, after IAPA Asia. Uh, and uh, we went to Bana Hills up in the mountains. It's a theme park up in the mountains in Vietnam and Da Nang. I think it's Da Nang. And you take this big funicular or trolley to the top. And you guys probably seen this park. It has those iconic hands coming out of the mountain and you walk across. That's Bana Hills. It's, 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 it's a beautiful spot. But the park is so, it's just so random. You get in this park in the middle of Vietnam and it's German themed, like in sections of it. Like, this is strange. It's like German themed. So they have a whole scaled version of Germany in their perspective of what Germany is. I don't think they've actually been to Germany, but <laughs> you get there and then they have this massive beer garden, right? And it so happened to be Oktoberfest, the day we were at the park. So my good friend, Jerome, uh, and he's in our industry and, um, 
Jerome is from the Netherlands. He's 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 Dutch, and so he he and I was like, oh, let's go get some leader hosings, and we walk into the Oktoberfest, and so we were able to rent cast member clothing. We got cast member clothing, so we we look like cast members. So we walk into the the beer garden, totally unexpected. There's hundreds of people on this post tour, and the GMs of the park sauce and allowed us to go on the main stage with the band. And we're dancing in lederhosen's, drinking steins of beer in front of thousands of people. And it was super unexpected. Everybody was like, where's Phil and Jerome? And all of a sudden they look <laughs> over and there we are just dancing and drinking. And man, the, people from IAPA are like, literally, this is like one of the top five craziest moments ever of IAPA, like members. And we're taking photos with like random people that think we're like cast members and we're just, they, we looked down our beers full again because the bartender came on stage and filled up our beers. We were there for an hour singing and dancing. And uh, yeah, and then we um, uh, we got approached by the general manager and he's all, hey, uh, so you guys are going to be in Vietnam like next week because we could really use you and Jerome on stage. It'd be great. Can we have <laughs> you guys? And they, they were serious. We were like thinking they were joking. And so we kind of like tried to trade them for uh, a hotel accommodation <laughs> at the Intercontinental, which is like the top number one hotel in the world, apparently. So we were, like, we were bartering a vacation to work uh, in leader hoses and drink beer, which is an amazing job. If that's all you have to do is drink beer and be in a leader hose. And so we, we worked on that. The plan did not uh, go through, but uh, we were very close to getting a free uh, stay at the Intercontinental to be in a leader hose. So that was <laughs> a, the craziest story. And then the other story, just real short, was um, we were in uh, Shanghai and we found a rooftop bar with a spa on top of the bar. And we all got in the spa with a bunch of people from all over the world, just, just our feet down, like our legs down. And we were singing different drinking songs from around the world with people from Japan, from the Ukraine. I mean, all their weird chant, you know, not weird, but just their, their cultural different chant drinking songs. And then one of my good friends in the industry convinced everybody we were uh, twins, twin brother and sister, and that if I left, I would break out in a rash. And so I had to be next to her the whole time. Otherwise, I'd break out in a rash and I have anxiety disorder. And they had this whole story on me. So I'm sitting there drinking with them and everyone's laughing at me. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm hilarious. I'm funny. And then I find out later, no, they thought that I was breaking out in a rash because my twin sister, who was not my twin sister, uh, was convincing everyone that uh, I had this like rash disorder. And so that was, that, that's, that's basically in a nutshell as fast. Uh, you got to be with me I mean, to, ex <laughs> to experience some of these strange that's things. Why I guys. Asked, I mean, if we can, right? Yeah. There's, yeah. Oh, there's, we look forward to all, that. <laughs> there's all sorts of weird stuff. Tuk-tuks and Indonesia that, you know, we raced other tuk-tuk people and then we bet money on each other. I mean, just weird stuff that honestly is stuff that's just, part of why we are in this industry is to goof off and have fun and enjoy everything and just do things unexpected. Yeah. And that's why we're here. Right. I and mean, we have to have to have fun in our industry. Otherwise you're in the wrong industry. Exactly. Yeah. If you're not having fun, there's something <laughs> wrong. That's for sure. Um, but you know, Phil, that actually goes back to your whole um, account of your journey through those different majors and things. And if you had taken a different path and maybe not even worked for the family business and gotten involved with IAP and none of that would happen, right? Something yeah. else may have happened in your life that would have been crazy, but you know, yeah. all those things, it all leads to kind of where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. 
and where we're going, right? And yeah. see what happens next. You see know? what happens so next. I'm just glad we're not on an accounting blog discussion <laughs> about tax returns or <laughs> new that's, tax That's our codes. next conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't know this is the, the accounting pros um, podcast? Oh, geez. Yeah. You, you sure you want me to do your taxes, guys? You might have to, <laughs> might have to pay more. Yeah, <laughs> well, that'll be a different topic for a different day. But Phil, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you again so much uh, for being here. If uh, people wanted to get in touch with you or learn more about extreme engineering, where would you send them? I would definitely send them to the website, extremeengineering.com. Uh, if they want to get in touch with me, it's my email is very easy to remember. It's just my name, Phil, P-H-I-L, and it's at extremeengineering.com. And uh, if you need my cell phone, you got to hang out with me first at the top of the roof bar and then I'll give it to you. So my new goal, Phil's cell phone number. That's <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't feel, don't feel, don't feel a, a privilege or Josh It's on the website. So oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, final thoughts, words of wisdom um, as we wrap up here? Oh, I, I mean, I don't have any words of wisdom, but I, I, maybe words of encouragement is that I think you know, the three of us experiencing IAPA firsthand, and it was two years, you know, and, you know, I really want to say that we're not in the amusement in, uh, business, we're in the people business. And it's so critical to experience the, the, the stories I'm telling you guys, you know, these weird, fun stories. Those are all things you share with people in, per, in, in person. And I think getting back in person, getting back to shows, going to these post tours, I think that is something that I am uh, encouraged and looking forward to for 2022. I think all of us will be doing more of that than being, you know, virtually on screens, having meetings or virtual trade shows. I think that's going to be there, but it's going to be a thing of the past, at least for our industry, because we know how critical it is to be in person. And so um, my encouragement for the new year, guys, is, is I think we're there. I think we're on the road to recovery. I think COVID's here to stay, but we're not going to let it keep us from doing the things that we love, which is being in person and, and also moving forward. So that's my encouragement, not wisdom, but that's my encouragement for everyone. So 2022, I think it's going to be great for everybody. Excellent. Well, we are looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing you in person uh, the next yeah. time we get a chance to do that. So. Again, Phil, thank you so much for your time today. And for everybody out there watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.